0: Hello, I'm Ian Madison, a fellow in the International Development Department and producer of Season 2 of the Refugee Realities podcast series. In this series, students on the Forced Migration and Refugees course at LSE bring us interviews with a range of people on the topic, covering the policies and politics that shape asylum to the experiences of refugees themselves. Little has captured the world's attention like the Russian invasion of Ukraine on February 24th of this year. Constituting Europe's largest refugee crisis since the Second World War, the UN estimates that more than 14 million people have fled their homes. Nearly 7 million Ukrainians are seeking asylum in neighboring countries. One of these people is Olena, a 24-year-old Ukrainian national working in the film industry of the suburbs of Kyiv when Russian forces invaded. In this episode, Madison and Sydney sit down with Olena to gain a better insight Into what the experience was like of being in Ukraine this past February and what led to Olena's decision to leave her native country for Poland. Sydney Stevenson is in the International Development and Humanitarian Emergencies program at the LSE. During her bachelor's degree, Sydney volunteered with organizations in Montreal, Canada which seek to secure the status and resettle refugees. Sydney also is passionate about climate change and climate migration and has worked on multiple research projects surrounding such topics. Madison Jansen is also in the IDHE program at the LSE. Upon completion of her bachelor's degree in global studies in Spanish, Madison moved to Ukraine with the United States Peace Corps where she lived and worked in a small town outside of Kiev. It was in Ukraine where she befriended Olena and where she became further inspired to pursue a career in international development. Following her time at LSE, Madison aims to apply her education and passion for Ukraine to aid in the humanitarian response to the war. I hope you enjoy the episode.
1: In this podcast episode, Sydney and I sit down with Olena, a Ukrainian national who has lived through what many have deemed the largest refugee crisis in Europe since World War II. Olena and her family recently fled to Poland at the onset of Russia's large-scale invasion of Ukraine on February 24th, 2022. This is her story. Olena, thank you so much for joining us today. How about we start by you telling us a little about yourself?
2: I'm Elena from Ukraine I'm 24 <laughs> uh, I moved to Poland because of the Russian invasion I just working in film industry we' are uh, shooting like documentaries and feature films I work in like producer assistant and scriptwriter assistant I wrote uh, several my own scripts and theater play radio play that i wrote and translated because we think that uh, it's important that everybody knows and watch what is happening right now in ukraine
3: thank you elena yes it's so important to know what is happening right now in ukraine and for those who don't know why this war is happening maybe you can give a little bit of history about russia's relationship with ukraine and why this war has started
2: yeah, actually, this war started more than eight years ago, starting with uh, 2014 when Russian militaries entered Crimea and they made annexation of Crimea Peninsula. So, and they just were implying, like, Russian Empire there. And then they just started, uh, like, bombing and destroying eastern Ukraine. Like small eastern cities, and it was lasted till 2022. And months before the Russian invasion, we know knew that Russian troops gathered their military equipment and forces near the borders of Ukraine. So we were like just all very nerved about this. And so we just expected that this could have, have happened.
1: From what I understand, you were living in Kyiv when the Russian forces invaded this February. So take us back to that day. What was it like to be in Ukraine this past February?
2: It was strange because two weeks before the invasion, I just speak with my boss and uh, I decided I was living in Irpin. it's uh, in the outskirts of Kiev, So it's like a wonderful place and I was living there. And then two weeks before the invasion at work, we decided that we will leave our offices and continue working uh, at home. So I returned to Chernihiv uh, to my parents' house and I spent a week there, and then I decided that. I just believed that nothing uh, will happen. I like was reading the news, and all the news just told us that they can not make uh, like full-scale invasion and they can take Kiev. So I returned like we and I uh, after uh, like week before the invasion, I returned to Ukraine again, and then uh, in a few days, uh, it just happened. So I remember the day the day before the invasion, like twenty third of February, we just have very intensive day. We presented our film on our on one film market. I was spent like evening with my friends. I came back home, so I just uh, was speaking with my sister, and we just was watching the photos of my nephew birthday, and everything was fine. And next morning at six o'clock in the morning my sister called me and, and told that she just heard the explosion and i just didn't believe her i thought it was like sound strange and then i opened my phone and i watched the messages from my friends from kiev odessa and other cities that they heard Also explosions and um, all all the different sounds. And I just was (laughs) confused and like packed my bags and moved from Irpin. So and at first day I leave Irpin to another city because back at that day it was very big traffic jams on the road. So it was almost impossible to go somewhere far away. So I can go only like a few kilometers away from Ripin. So I was going to the next city in a few kilometers to my friend. And in the evening, we see that the tank that was like going near our house. And after that, for 11 days, we can't leave our home because it was because Russian troops were located there. And there was and we were near the battlefield. So it was dangerous to leave. So we can leave only in 11 days after all this happened. So we were sitting in the basement and just was trying to leave this place.
3: Wow, thank you for sharing that. I think at such an intense moment, what was the ultimate thing that made you decide to leave Ukraine and what was that experience like? And was all of your family able to come with you?
2: Actually, at first, we just wanted to stay in Ukraine, and we don't have the intention to leave. Back then, I saw that last thing that I will do that is leave my home, leave Ukraine. But day by day, the battles became more intensive because at last days we almost can't leave the basement because the bombing and explosions work all the time. So we just don't have a choice but to leave this because the main thing that a civil person needs to do in the war is it's let the military do what they should do. So not, not be near the battlefield because when it's like battles it should be just military people and no c- civil people so we decided so this will be better to live. And my uh, family, they just were in another place, and it was more calm there. And they lived like two days. Uh, they decided also to leave because my sister had a small uh, daughter, five years old. And my mother also have had a daughter like 10 years old, my sister. So uh, it was hard for them to sit in the basement and to listen to all the explosions. So they also left like on the third day i suppose and then uh, when we uh, managed to get from uh, kiev outskirts we joined them but the road from kiev to poland took us uh, like three days because it's uh, it was hard to move uh, in this like worse uh, situation. When we we moved from Kiev outskirts to the center of Kiev, uh, we didn't have like the people who will uh, get us to the border, because all all our friends they were like in another places, and so we spent in Kiev like two days just searching for the people who can take us and drive us, because it is hard with transport uh, even now in Ukraine. So uh, we found like volunteers uh, that uh, were driving the medicine uh, to one key hospital and we just asked them to take us. And they take us at first to the Western uh, Ukraine. And in the Western Ukraine, they left us in uh, one school, meeting displaced people. So we just sleep and have a rest there. And then my friend that will accompany me, she just feel bad because she has like health problems with her heart. And she just was very bad. So I just stayed with her for more two days there in the Western Ukraine. And then she decided to to stay in Ukraine. And I decided to join my relatives and I crossed the border. Thank you, Olena, for sharing the moments that led up to your
1: decision to leave Ukraine and your experience with your friend. And I want to hear more about that. But first, I wanted to highlight a really important point I think that you bring up and I've been thinking a lot about lately, which is the fact that we tend to use movement as an indicator for vulnerability. You know, we we tend to focus all of our dialogue and effort on those who are refugees. And while I think that's extremely important, It also leaves people who can't move due to health issues or disabilities out of the conversation, and I think that's something that really needs to change. But now I want to hear more about the days you had to spend in the basement in Irpin. I think seeing Ukrainians in basements and metro stations with their children and their pets just waiting for the horror to stop is something that has captured the attention of a lot of people. So I wanted to ask you, what was that experience like?
2: It depends on what basement you sit and with with what people you sit because after the war I discovered like a thousand types of basement like from the second second world war or you have like modern basement on some like new modern buildings that is just you can enjoy spending your time there. But we were sitting in a, in the old house because it's like outskirts rural area, so we were sitting in a old house and this basement wall was like uh, very small and dusty but we just make the cozy place uh, there with my friend and we have two cats so at first it was funny like we just were sitting and uh, way and listening to the different sounds of shooting and explosions and at first it was like okay and then uh, we started like quarreling with my friend because we as it turned out we we have we just have very different types of character so uh in the war it's like very uh, important like to accept another person's character because everybody reacts in different way on the sounds of the war and everybody have like different types of adaptation so you should accept, uh, accept everyone who surround you uh, so at last days it was very hard for me and for my friend to stay together because we have almost no sleep uh, no normal life so we will just and a uh, little bit nervous, but it uh, it is over now. So uh, I think it's okay.
1: So in the end, you were able to leave Kiev to join your family in Poland who had made it there several days prior. So what was that experience like crossing the border
2: into Poland? Actually, it was hard to cross the border because till the last minute I had a doubt if I have to stay or I have to leave. Uh, because everyone should realize that uh, he needs to help how he could in the way he could. So I'm not a military person and I'm not a person who will cook for uh, for others so I'm uh, good at another thing so I just realized that I can help in another way like in informational support or fundraising or different stuff so I decided to leave and uh, for me it was much more harder to uh, find myself in the calm place than in the basement because you see it and you just remember you just reminding all the stuff that you see all everything that you hear here and you just go crazy because uh, you can't can't do anything you can't help right now and you can't stop everything so you just it takes time to uh adaptate and to understand that uh, to understand the thing that you can change and be okay with this and to do the thing that you can do and the point that you can help with So I think I sound uh, clear. Yeah, wow. I think it's so impactful to hear you
1: say that, in a way, it was harder for you once you had made it somewhere calm because I think we like to imagine that once refugees flee, their lives are somehow automatically better. But clearly, the challenges continue. And how has it been living in a new country so far?
2: Life in Poland has been um different to uh, each member of my family Uh, the most difficult it was for my mom because she left Ukraine only several times for uh, vacations so it and she had more than 30 years of working experience in Ukraine she had her own business uh, which was doing well so when she left it was hard for her to work for some boss because she have never experienced it before but nevertheless in a month after leaving ukraine she found a job so now she's making dresses for children actually she's fine with that job but still it's hard for her to work on some another person because she's really like high class and experienced uh, professional and speaking about my older sister it was hard for her either because in Ukraine she was working like in high managing position in um, several uh, high class restaurants in our native city so she like uh, was more responsible for other stuff but here now she's working also in the restaurant but she she's working in the kitchen she just uh, cooking and doing different and other stuff, but she's also okay with that because she realizes, as my mom did, that this is temporary. So, uh, so and that they won't work at their jobs for long. And so, and they also realizes that they will uh, come back to Ukraine one day, and will keep up, uh, keep up going with their job in Ukraine, but becoming like. A more professional and gain some like other skills that they won't be able to get in Ukraine speaking about my little sister and, uh, and nephew sorry uh, she, they're just my sister she was uh, in for like 10 years old and in Ukraine she was attending 4th grade so now when she came to Poland my mom and sister took her to to polish school and there she's studying polish language at first it was quite hard for her but they have just simplified system for ukrainian pupils so they can uh, have such options so that they can avoid doing homework or they can avoid uh, replying on the classes and all, all the different stuff so they can just attend the classes and listen to the uh, lessons and uh, but uh, still it's a good skill of language because she's uh, in several months learned Polish quite well so and find some friend there so but still she also realized that she will come back to Ukrainian school so meanwhile, she's studying uh, like uh, distantly in Ukrainian school also and my nephew also go she's five years old and she attending polish kindergarten she like I <laughs> I, she like very emotional and positive uh, child so I haven't seen like tears on her eyes because someone didn't understand her she like know the Polish now I think uh, better than uh, all of us and she also has some friends in Polish kindergarten and I think that the teacher that dealing with them are good in the kindergarten so I think that's okay and and Speaking about me, uh, when I was leaving Ukraine, I thought that I will leave uh, my um, Ukrainian job, uh, Ukrainian work, because I was quite tired of that. But when I crossed the border, my boss like told me that we have offer from Polish channel to shoot uh, reports about what is happening in Ukraine. So I decided not to skip that, because I really appreciate appreciate uh, that opportunity because I want a more wide audience to know what is happening now in Ukraine. So now I'm I'm, uh, keeping working in my Ukrainian company. Uh, Sometimes it's hard for me to work from here um, emotionally and and, uh, the, and in other different aspects but I don't want to lose this job because I don't want to lose the ties with Ukraine I have like also opportunity to find a job here and I had some offers but still I won't change it uh, and I won't leave my Ukrainian uh, job because I want to have those ties with Ukraine and to help like uh, highlight all the stuff that is happening right now in informationally or in a way that I can help.
3: I think it's an incredible testament to your passion for your work that you've continued this job and continued to share such important stories. And I think that hearing the stories about your mom, I think that. Having such an established career, it's a show of her strength and resilience to be able to find a job in such a difficult time. And to hear about your nieces and nephews, I think it really shows how resilient and how amazing children can be in such times of crisis. And I think that that's so important for people to understand is that there is hope for the future within such an incredibly difficult moment. And I think we've seen so much on the news about the war, but what has your perception been of the world's response to the war in Ukraine and what would you like to see more of or what would you like to see change?
2: It's uh, very hard because I think my life just was separated before and after and I... It, it may sound absurd as a lot of people are dying and uh, everything, but I'm grateful to this world because every one of us has changed. We just united and uh, everyone just stopped thinking uh, only about himself, but thinks about how he can help, how he can stop it. Ukraine was finally accepted by the European Union. Every country is just now notices how Ukrainians can be brave and how they can cooperate just to help their country in Ukraine and abroad. And every, not only Ukrainian, but all the world just united in helping Ukraine. And the main point is that we see the evil of russia because despite of the war that was ongoing since 2014 not every people realized like in the central or in the western or on the different parts of UK- ukraine who didn't see the war they didn't realize it that we really have the war in our in the part of our country and now they just realize it that this war was starting a lot of years ago and that we should understand that russia is not our brother it's just pure evil and uh, we should stop any connection with this country because even though that the war was ongoing more than eight years a lot of people was still cooperating with russia and make some business in russia or uh, some different types of connection and now we just understood that this is like wrong way for us and this may be the help uh, helpful for us to become more uh, like individual country and like defend uh, our culture and uh, land. Yeah, I think you've pointed out a huge
1: misconception there amongst people at least in the West, and that's that Ukraine and Russia are, like you said, brothers and closely related and aligned, which completely undermines Ukrainian culture and heritage.
3: Definitely. And I think we've seen the incredible strength of Ukrainians throughout the war. And I think that it would be really interesting to hear your perspective on how you think the world can step up to do more to support Ukraine and Ukrainians.
2: I think uh, the first thing to help us is NATO countries, because at at first, uh, if they just protected the sky, we didn't have such problems that we have now. We, maybe Mariupol uh, where wasn't being destroyed if uh, NATO closed and protected the sky. Maybe another city that oh, they might be also blocked and destroyed like Mariupol. Maybe they will not suffering so long for more than 85 days. So the main point that should be done is for NATO to protect the sky or like, and for Germany, of course, <laughs> not to uh, uh, just helping with uh, military support more. So I think NATO countries could have been done more. Right, it's
1: definitely been frustrating for everyone but especially Ukrainians watching the atrocities unfold before our eyes and not seeing NATO step in. So you've also spoken a lot about unity and how the world has sort of come together to support Ukrainians, but other countries have had different reactions, such as Belarus, which has chosen to align itself with Russia. You have family in Belarus, what has their reaction been?
2: Uh, actually, it's also so interesting point, because at first, at after the beginning of the war, maybe after a few days, we have relatives in Kazakhstan and in Belarus. And at first, I don't know at, at what day of war they texted my parents, but they just asked, what is happening? Are you okay? Are you alive? And from Belarus... Uh, we have like two generation of relatives so the young generation up to 30 years they just they told that they're supporting us they just uh, can stand this and they just will help us anyway and we hope that in uh, that uh, just forgive our pre- president for all this stuff and uh, so on but the older generation like over 16 years they just uh, didn't realize that the government do the wrong uh, thing Uh, so so and in some way they just uh, in Kazakhstan for instance they can be scary because um, if they can just uh, support us openly and speak about their position against the government they or they just afraid uh, of doing this right now so, but the young generation they are supportive. But after the war started, my father told to his brother that because he my father's brother, he is just supporting the president of Belarus. So my father told him that maybe I will never see you again. Wow,
1: thank you so much for sharing that. I think it's so impactful to hear for me and for listeners as well that this war is not only dividing nations, but families as well.
3: Yes, and I think that this really relates back to what you were saying before about how people respond differently in times of crisis, and we really need to be understanding of this. And it's so incredible to learn that you are working in the film industry, and it would be really great to hear about your most recent projects and what they aim to communicate to the world about Ukraine and Ukrainians, and why do you think it's important that the world knows these things?
2: Actually, right before the war, uh, we released documentary film Yarodon Bus. It reveals uh, the European, uh, American, and British heritage in uh, Eastern Ukraine. So we just like a year ago, we were in Donbass uh, cities near the front line, near the battlefield, and we were just shooting this documentary and we released it right before the war. And we produced podcast about German heritage in eastern Ukraine. So, and now we're just moving on with this film. But uh, in Ukraine, it's not it's impossible now to make the distribution of the, this film. So, we're just uh, working you know, on the international uh, broadcasting and distribution. And we're also dreaming of making uh, another podcast about the British heritage. Uh, in uh, eastern Ukraine and about like your Euro- European integration uh, of and industrialization of Donbass in the end of 19th century and in the beginning of 20th century because uh, a lot of people didn't know that like historically that there were a lot of se- German, French, Belgian British uh, settlements in uh, eastern Ukraine so we just wanted to, to tell to the whole world about this and also we just making a documentary about Crimea about the annexation and political repressions uh, in Crimea because it's uh, very uh, important because everything started from Crimea since in 2014 like military people from Russia entered the Crimea so we should speak about this and about human rights on the peninsula
3: and I also think we'd love to all know where can we watch your films? Now we
2: haven't released the Jordan bus film, but uh, we hope that we can uh, like broadcast it in European TV. So uh, when we will have like more information I will give uh, you the link and and this information so you can watch it. And then maybe uh, we're just planning to make screenings in uh, Great Britain this summer. So if I will have more information, I will uh, tell you for sure
1: amazing thank you so much your work in the film industry showing people the nature and the history of ukraine is an incredible form of activism in a time like this but now i'm wondering about your future plans do you hope to return to ukraine or study
2: uh, I don't know. I uh, Now I'm not sure about my plans because uh, now it's not that safe to return to Ukraine because my house that I was uh, living in uh, before the war is just uh, no windows, no doors. Uh, so uh, we need to make like everything there. So um, I didn't he- have like... Uh, how to work there and for me it's better now to work from poland until everything ends because uh, i can help like more from this place I suppose, but but of course, when everything will uh, be over, I will be happy to return home because my dad is still home, so he is alone (laughs) in our house. So we really uh, miss our native places.
3: Well, thank you so, so much for sharing your story. And I think that maybe the most important question is what can someone listening to this podcast do to support Ukrainians right now?
2: You can, uh, of course, you can donate to our army forces, to our uh, volunteer organization. Uh, I can give you uh, bank accounts and, of course, you can uh, help informationally. Speaking about uh, stuff that's happening right now, that's happening now in Mariupol, and uh, Izum and uh, the Asia region and uh, all the different cities because they're just uh, suffering right now. So we need to speak about this to to switch people's attention so we can maybe somehow we can help them. Definitely. I think at the very least, sharing information
1: on social media platforms and discussing current events in Ukraine with friends and family is so important because unfortunately, the world can be so quick to move on from one thing to another, but we shouldn't forget or lose sight of these horrible injustices like we've seen in Ukraine. I guess on a final note, what do you want everyone listening to know about
2: Ukraine and Ukrainians? I wanted people to know that Ukraine is very individual country and you shouldn't mess up uh, Ukrainian and Russian and different cultures because uh, we have a really unique country, unique uh, culture, unique language and which worth recognizing uh, throughout the world. And we have really hard-working people and I think uh, with such people we will win. <laughs> anyway. (laughs) Yes, well, I think if anything has been learned throughout this
1: episode, it's that Ukrainians have been so resilient under these horrific circumstances. Thank you so much, Elena, for illuminating that further for us and for your willingness to share your story today on this episode.
3: I would just like to echo what Madison said and thank you so much for sharing your story with us. I think a main takeaway for all of us can be that everyone can support Ukraine right now by sharing information about what is happening and supporting Ukrainians, as well as everyone else around the world affected by crises.
2: Yeah, thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode in Season 2 of the Refugee Realities podcast series hosted by the Department of International Development at the LSE and made possible by the Eden Catalyst Fund. We have more episodes on the way, so please do stay tuned.